Welcome to another episode of the Yours Truly Podcast. I'm your host, Claire Tuning, a peanut butter and jelly enthusiast turned registered dietitian, yoga teacher, nutrition coach, and entrepreneur. I believe that happiness and health comes from the ability to truly nourish your body, mind, and spirit through food, movement, and relationships. That's what this podcast is all about. Together, we'll learn to eat gently, move freely, and love fiercely, and probably make a lot of puns along the way. So join me and my stellar squad of guests to learn the tools that you need to break free from a world of diet culture and negativity to fully, gently, and mindfully step into your own source of power. Yours, Julie, Claire. Here we go. What's up, podcast? Happy Wednesday if you're listening to this in real time because you guys know that Wednesday is our podcast day. Welcome back to the pod if you've been here before. This is episode 37 of the Yours Truly podcast. If you're new around here, welcome. I'm so glad you clicked your way through the interwebs to get to our little corner of podcast nation. But on today's podcast, we're going to be focusing on something cool and kind of different. And since the entire episode is going to be kind of different, I figured... Why don't we start the episode a little bit differently as well, and then we'll get into the Yours Truly Goal Sling Facebook post of the week. But as you guys know from my intro, from you who follow me on social media, maybe you don't know, but I'm about to tell you that in addition to being a registered dietitian, I am also a registered yoga teacher. I teach yoga here in Roanoke, Virginia, where I live. I have taught yoga for the past five or six years, and I finished my certification to like be an official RYT, a registered yoga teacher, back in 2015. And there's a big gap, I feel like, to be bridged with nutrition and yoga. And I bring a lot of that into my practice with my individual clients, kind of taking some of the concepts and the mindset pieces of yoga and applying them to nutrition. So I figure, why not bring a little bit of yoga to this podcast? And you may be like, Claire, you're crazy. Well, one, we already knew that. But Claire, you're crazy because I can't do yoga listening to a podcast. Like, what are you going to do? Instruct me through a yoga class? No, Not necessarily, but I do want to take you through a breathing exercise. So I don't know where you are listening to this podcast. I don't know what you are doing right now, but I think it is safe to say that we all hold on to such a fast pace of life that sometimes, or all of the time, can get a little bit stressful. And I think the thing that we don't really take the time to do, unless we're consciously thinking about it, or triggered by a reminder or some weirdo like Claire on a podcast telling you that it can be really beneficial to take a moment to tune into your breath and just slow down a little bit. One, this is good for giving you some more mental space, but it's also good in helping to help you just feel like a little bit more of a put-together human who can be present and listen to this podcast without feeling like you have to do a million different things to survive today. You can take one thing at a time, and how we're going to do that is by taking a couple of moments here just to breathe. So if you are driving in the car listening to this podcast, I don't want you to close your eyes because that would be a really big safety hazard. So if you're driving, you can keep your eyes on the road and do this breathing exercise with me. If you are not driving, if you are seated, if you're not walking, if you're not doing anything that requires your sense of sight, I do want you to close your eyes for this because it can be easier to tune into the mind-body connection if we don't really have any visual stimulation. But I will leave that up to you. And yoga teacher Claire will come onto the podcast here. So wherever you are listening to this podcast, I want you to start by taking a couple of big breaths in through your nose and back out through your nose as well. Now, without really trying to mold or change the breath just yet, we're not going to try to slow it down. We're not going to try to do anything crazy. I want you to just notice how this breath is sitting naturally within your own body today, this morning, this evening, wherever you are. And as you're beginning to notice this initial pace of your breath, notice if it maybe reflects the type of day that you're having. So if you've been running around, if you're crazy stressed out trying to get from point A to point B, you might realize that your breath is a little bit more shallow and it's trapped in the upper part of your chest. Maybe if you're getting ready to go to bed or if you've had a calm afternoon or evening, you're going to notice that you're maybe more easily able to access that breath that's a little bit deeper immediately. But again, without trying to change, mold, or shape your breath, just notice how this breath, this movement of the air coming in and out your nose is reflective of what is happening in your life right now. 
then as you have started to take these few initial breaths, maybe you have noticed that once you've directed a little bit of conscious awareness and attention to your breath, that it naturally starts to slow down. The breath is this beautiful thing, this beautiful tool that we always have with us no matter where we are or else we would be dead, but you always have your breath. And I think it's a wonderful tool that when you can direct a little bit of conscious energy towards something that is otherwise really natural and subconscious for you, you can really start to tune into a place that is quiet and calming wherever you are throughout your day. So with your breath that you have here, now we're going to try to consciously slow this down a little bit. So I want you to count with me here with your breath. So before we do this together, I'll tell you the goal of this exercise is to make the length of your inhale match the length of your exhale. So if you view your breath as a circle, this is a breathing exercise that I love, you'll view a circle that is, of course, even on both sides with a line drawn at the top of the circle and the bottom of the circle. And the goal here is that when we breathe up one side of the circle, we'll count to keep ourselves at a pace, and then we'll count down the opposite side of the circle to keep the inhales and the exhales even in length and in depth. So as we come into this exercise, before we get started on the rest of the podcast, I want you to take a big cleansing breath in and out. So a big breath through your nose and then a full exhale. And in the space at the bottom of that exhale, I want you to pause for a moment. This is going to signify that bottom marking point in our circle. And what we'll do here together, podcast, we'll start by taking an inhale for one, two, three, and then we'll exhale together for three, two, one. We'll take this one more time. Big breath in for one, two, three, four, pausing in that space at the top, and let it go for four, three, two, one. Now, as you come to the bottom of your circle, you can either open your eyes if they are closed. If your eyes are already open, keep focusing on that road, but start to just come back to your normal breath, keeping in mind how it felt to just slow down for a moment, to take a little couple of minutes, that was like four or five minutes, guys, a couple of minutes out of your day just to tune in to the tool that you have with you at all times, which is your breath. So how did it feel to slow down? How did it feel to direct a little bit of conscious awareness to the patterns of your inhales and exhales? And how do you feel now after doing that exercise? I hope that you don't think I'm a total crazy woo-woo woman. I hope you're feeling a little bit calmer, a little bit more relaxed wherever you are in this space listening to this podcast. And for the next couple minutes that you and I are here chatting, or I'm chatting to you, unfortunately, I really can't hear you respond. But I hope that for these next few minutes of spending some time with me on the podcast that you can feel a little bit better and feel a little bit more empowered and in charge of your day because you took a little bit of time to give yourself some spiritual energy. I think so often we get so trapped into what am I going to eat? You know, what am I going to use to fuel my physical body that we also forget that we need to fuel our mental space as well and our spiritual bodies through some sort of practice. I don't even want to call it a meditation because I think some people are really scared of that, but some sort of grounding practice like your breath work, like we just did. So feel free to replay that section of the podcast as much as you need, as much as you would like Claire to walk you through a breathing exercise and take that tool, put it in your metaphorical tool belt and use it to navigate the rest of your day, the rest of your life, however you will. So we're going to take a 180 transition from that breathing exercise. Maybe also, if you've never taken one of my yoga classes in person, you're able to kind of hear my yoga teacher voice coming through the mic. I've been told that it's a little bit more calming than my typical voice that's very like revved up on peanut butter and jelly and sometimes caffeine. (laughs) Maybe you heard my yoga teacher voice and hopefully that was helpful. So now transitioning to what we typically start the podcast with. If you've hung out with me here before, you know what's coming. If you're new to the pod. This is the segment 
of every episode where we cover or we feature rather one post from the Yours Truly Goal Slaying Facebook community. So this is a wonderful Facebook community that I have created that is now filled with amazingly awesome, stellar, how many other good adjectives can I insert here? People who are either working with me one-on-one or they are just interested in improving their life, their relationship with food and movement through the intuitive eating path. So this post comes from one of my current clients who was posting a takeaway and a wrap up from one of the calls that she and I had this past week. So let me clear my throat. She writes, hello everyone. Today I had another call with Claire and afterwards I felt like celebrating. And I realized that I really have changed in the three months when I was started working with Claire because all of my previous reflections have felt like This is what I am doing wrong, and this is what I learned, if only I can make it better. I don't know if that's how it read, but that's certainly how it felt. I definitely love learning new things and gaining awareness of how I am acting and thinking, so it feels so rewarding to be in this energy of celebration and ease. Food feels so easy right now. I am buying more foods that I love. I am actually enjoying cooking. I am planning ahead to address hunger hunger cues, and foods that I desire. I have little stress right now about food. My thoughts around food are super chill and neutral, parentheses, or off the walls positive. So what's next? Continuing this awesomeness, of course, and focusing on moving freely and loving fiercely so that I can nourish all areas of my life. So I want to give a big shout out to this goal slayer. I know she is one who listens to the podcast frequently and spoiler alert, she may be someone who is coming on the podcast next week. So stay tuned for that for one of my amazing goal slayers, but I'm so, so proud of her and taking a little bit of time here to actually pat herself on the back and feel like celebrating. I think so often, no matter what version of nutrition you subscribe to or you're trying to get a hold of in your life, it's so much easier for us to focus on what we feel like we haven't done right or where we aren't yet, what we haven't accomplished, rather than saying, oh my God, I have changed in the past three months and that's something worth celebrating and kind of celebrating this sense of ease that she had around food and around, you know, mindset around food. And I think that is so so wonderful. So, so proud of her. And this is the point in the podcast where I tell you that like every single week, this is your open invitation to join us all on the Yours Truly Goal Slayers Facebook community. So if you're listening and you're already a part of that community, you are awesome. I thank you for being there. I'm truly grateful for the words and the time that you spend with me there. But if you're still listening and you haven't joined yet, come on, what are you waiting for? This is a free Facebook community and I would love to have you there. We do daily posts, tips, trainings, videos. Like last week I did a video on how to cook tofu and make it not taste like a block of nothing. So there's a lot of happiness and education that goes along in this community. So if you want to join, the only thing you have to do is fill out a brief application simply so I can get to know a little bit more about you. We can lay the ground rules of the community so that I can keep it the best place on the interwebs. So if you're looking for that application, you can find it in my Instagram bio. My name on Instagram is at Claire Tuning. There's a link there that will take you right to the application. If you're not on Instagram or you want more of a personalized invitation, you can always friend me on Facebook. My name there is Claire Tuning. Send me a message either there or on Instagram that you want to join the Facebook community and I will gladly personally send you the application there. So without further ado, before I run out of out of gas in my voice already. I feel like I've already been talking for ages. These solo podcasts are very exhausting. The one last little announcement I have before I get to the bulk of today's episode is the day I'm recording this, which is, you know, I'm just going to tell you guys, it is the day before I'm releasing it. I'm typically much more on top of having podcasts planned in advance, but this week that didn't happen. Don't judge me. But today is April 2nd. The podcast is going to release on April 3rd. And April 2nd may not sound like an important date to you, but it's probably one of the most exciting days of my life. Do you want to know why? Well, if you watched my Instagram story today, you know why I'm celebrating today, like I celebrate every single day. But this is the best day because it's the day that is dedicated to the love of my life, aka peanut butter and jelly. So if you know anything about me, you know that I eat a peanut butter and jelly every single day. 
I'm not kidding you guys, I eat some variation of peanut butter and jelly every single day, so every day is peanut butter and jelly day for me, but I think it's so great that the rest of the world can have a commemorative day to celebrate the thing that I love the most. So whether you're listening to this in real time, the day after National PB&J Day, or you're just listening to it on a normal other day of the week, if you're not allergic to peanut butter and jelly, I highly recommend you go enjoy one because there's nothing not to love. But we're going to switch gears again to get to the actual meat and potatoes, as my grandma would say, of this episode. We're from the South, could you tell? I don't think anybody else says something like meat and potatoes of an episode, but let me find my notes. Where'd they go? Here they are. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different in the fact that I don't necessarily have one exact topic. I'm going to structure it more in a Q&A sense on intuitive eating. So I'm gathering these questions from a recent free quiz that I put out into the universe. And if you, I have talked about it here on the pod before, I've talked about it on social media, but this is a quiz that is, do you need to retire your current eating habits? It's a free quiz. You can still find it in my Instagram bio, but it's just asking you a couple questions to figure out out where you are in your relationship with food and if where you are right now indicates that intuitive eating would be a really great fit for you in your life right now. I always, always, always say that, spoiler alert, intuitive eating is for everyone, but the purpose of this quiz is to figure out what are kind of some of your preconceived notions around health and food, and if you kind of fit in where you are right now in life into what the intuitive eating mindset requires, which is, you know, letting go of diet culture, letting go of weight-based measurements, letting go of the need to be perfect and all of the food choices and body composition, right? So it's kind of just to discover if you right now, what you're wanting out of your health and your mindset, if intuitive eating is a good fit. So what I have here on this quiz, for those who have already taken it, it's a really cool section at the end that simply says, do you have any specific questions about intuitive eating? And as you can imagine, everybody has questions because as intuitive as intuitive eating is, I think we've gotten so far removed from how easy and simple it was meant to be that actually now I like to joke that it's really not all that intuitive and people have a lot of different questions about it as, you know, what it is, what constitutes intuitive eating versus just another diet, you know, am I doing this right? Is this going to help me do X, Y, and Z? So I've kind of categorized some of the most popular and recurring theme type of questions that I have gotten from this questionnaire or this quiz, and I want to answer them here on the podcast because I think that if one person is having this question towards their intuitive eating journey, there's most definitely more people who are struggling with those same questions. So again, I've categorized them because a lot of them have similar themes. So the first couple that I got were kind of along the lines of, I just need help beginning, or how do I start? with intuitive eating. And I could go down a million different rabbit holes on how you can get started with intuitive eating, but I'll start with a couple of just basic tips on the things that I find are most impactful for anyone who is trying to transition out of a certain rigid way of eating or thinking or a certain diet into a more intuitive path. So the first thing is, is you really have to communicate with yourself that this is not another diet. This is not a last ditch effort to try someone's new 30 day course to fat loss or, you know, do X, Y, and Z and you'll have food freedom in two months. It's not one of those things where you're signing on the dotted lines and you're saying, okay, this is just something else I'm trying. And if this doesn't work, I can just go to do something else. I think it's really fascinating. I had a conversation not too long ago with a client who I've been working with for a couple of months now and we were kind of going over some mental roadblocks that were still in the way and she had a wonderful realization. She was like, you know what, Claire? I have kind of realized over the past week that in the back of my mind, that little voice, I call her that girl in the back seat who holds on to all of our old habits, but that little voice in the back of my mind has still been telling me that, hey, if this intuitive eating thing doesn't work, you can always go back to another diet or you can always go back to cutting calories to do X, Y, and Z with your appearance. 
or with how you feel, right? So even though she had committed to the intuitive eating path, she was still finding some of this negative diet mentality clinging on in the back of her mind. So the first one of the biggest tips I have for anyone who is thinking, you know, I need something different and I want to start an intuitive eating journey is you really have to be in a place where you are going to commit fully to the intuitive eating mindset. Because if you're thinking in the back of your head, this is something that I'm just going to do for three months, for six months, and you know, see how see how it goes for me, and then I can always revert back to another diet. You're not going to be truly or truly for the purpose of this podcast. You're not going to be truly successful in achieving all of the principles of intuitive eating because your brain is always going to be saying, "Hey, diets are still here for you. Hey, you can always come back to our side." Right. So the thing with intuitive eating is it really requires an abandonment of the ship of whatever diet or way of life that was giving you a lot of safety and security and maybe a lot of negative mindset as a consequence. It really requires abandoning that. And this is tip number two, surrounding yourself with the resources to push you in the right direction. So tip number two with just beginning or getting started is I think we can all agree that if you are on social media, like at all, there is a plethora, an overabundance, if you will, of information about nutrition, about diet, about how to change your body, about, you know, even how to eat intuitively, right? There's so much information out there. And I find that in order to commit to the intuitive eating path, that little voice in the back of your head that's trying to say, oh, just come back to the diet. Oh, just come back to our side, right? You know, come to the dark side. We have not cookies because they probably restrict cookies, but that voice isn't going to go away if you are still consuming content that strengthens that voice. So for example, if you've decided that, hey, I have a really negative relationship with food and I know that I need to change this and I think intuitive eating is what I need to get back to, it's not going to be very helpful for you in helping to diminish that voice in the back of your head. If you go on your Instagram feed and you still follow like 50 pedo, people, <laughs> pedo, 50 people, there we go, who preach keto, or if you're following all of your friends who are just like posting 50 million times a day about their Weight Watchers journey, right? If you're surrounding yourself with content that isn't helping your intuitive eating journey, then it's not going to be helpful. So do a little social media cleanup zone or whatever content you're consuming. It could even be like a bookshelf. I'm just assuming social media because if you're on a podcast, odds are you're probably consuming other content on the internet. But just be aware of where you're getting that nutrition messaging from. And while you're kind of cleaning out and auditing that space for anything that doesn't help you on your intuitive eating journey, there's obviously going to be holes that are left in your feed, right? So my advice to you is to seek out individuals who preach a true intuitive eating mindset, or it doesn't even have to be accounts about food. I think so often when we get really into a negative relationship with food or disordered eating patterns, we get so hyper obsessed with food and that's all we fill our feed with because that's what we're restricting and that's the bad guy, right? So of course that's all we can think about in our minds, but challenge yourself to fill your feed with non-food items. Like what other hobbies do you love? Do you like to garden? Do you like to knit? Do you like to follow stand-up comedians because they're really funny? Like what else brings you joy in your life? And in addition to seeking out intuitive eating resources like yours truly at Claire Tuning on Instagram, you can also start to fill your feed with other things that you also enjoy. I had a client who I'm working with currently. And he told me, he was like, you know, I have a big interest in cars and I love things like this, but I've actually noticed that my interest is very underrepresented on my Instagram feed because everything was so food hyper-focused when he was in that mindset of being so mentally controlled by food. So as he has stepped away from that place and removed some of those food accounts that weren't being helpful, he's replaced it with not only intuitive eating accounts that have wonderful messages about the true version of intuitive eating, be wary about that. Some people who preach intuitive eating are actually just preaching a diet, so just be wary. But he's also filled it with other things that help to lift him up and give him a sense of joy and nourishment in his life. So those are my two tips there. You really have to abandon the ship and tell yourself that, you know, intuitive eating is the last stop for me. This is where I want to be for the rest of my life. I want to have joy around food. I want to find my inner child again. I want to be confident in my eating choices without feeling like I have to talk to a million people or a million devices before I eat. 
if this is the way you want to go, fully commit to it. And as a consequence, remove any messaging that isn't supportive of that. Remove any messaging that's going to strengthen the voice of old habit in your brain and fill your spaces with other content that is also nourishing. Okay, so the second batch of questions that I got a lot about, so I'm going to kind of condense them into a few that are worded similarly, and you could probably guess what's coming if you have delved into intuitive eating at all, or if you're kind of playing around in your own brain, is this something I want to do? This may be a question or a type of question that has surfaced in your brain. So the, these questions are along the lines of weight loss and intuitive eating. So I'm going to read you how some of them were worded. How common is it to see fat loss when eating intuitively? Can you lose weight by eating intuitively? Or will I lose weight by intuitive eating? Or is this only for maintaining? Because I've heard that you'll never lose weight without counting calories, i.e. being in a caloric deficit. So this is a question or a grouping of questions, I could say, that is very common with the intuitive eating path simply because we are so trained to think when we think of any modality of eating, we are so trained to associate it with how is this going to impact my weight or more, more likely in this day and age, how is this way of eating going to help me lose weight, right? And it's normal that we would be asking these questions because what diet have you heard of that doesn't preach, you know, follow me and you'll lose X pounds in X number of days or follow me and you're going to lose X percentage off of your body fat, right? We see these messages everywhere. So of course, when we hear something else related to food and nutrition, like intuitive eating, it's normal to be wondering those same questions. But the difference here with intuitive eating or where intuitive eating differs from these diets is one, it's not a diet at all. And two, we don't really focus on weight loss, where there's no talk about weight loss. Unlike other diets, there's no promise. I shouldn't say there's no talk about weight loss because, of course, that's something that we all have to kind of grapple with and overcome as we recover from these dieting mentalities. But what I should say, or a better way of putting it, is there's no promise of weight loss. So unlike a lot of these other diets that are promising, you know, follow me and lose X number of pounds or do this, cut out this main macronutrient group and you'll see these results in your body, intuitive eating is not promising that. What intuitive eating is promising is a sense of freedom when it comes to food. It's promising that you won't have to miss out on social situations because you're afraid or anxious of what the food situation is going to be. Intuitive eating promises the freedom that you will be able to enjoy your food and eat the foods that actually bring you joy and take time with your family and the memories that those foods bring you rather than have to be attached to a counting device that stresses you out because it's X grams of fat and X carbohydrates, right? Intuitive eating is a way of eating that is going to give you your life back rather than having every decision about food being so wrapped up in fear, so wrapped up in guilt, so wrapped up in shame. So one thing I'll say on the question of intuitive eating and fat loss and intuitive eating and weight loss or whatever you're thinking is two general categories of advice. One, if you ever run across someone on social media, this kind of plays back into what I was saying earlier about you know filling your feed with intuitive eating pages, but making sure they're actually preaching a genuine message about intuitive eating, not a message about intuitive eating that's actually about manipulating your body size and becoming smaller, becoming larger, whatever it may be, is to run away from any page, from any air quote nutrition expert, from any coach, from anyone who is promising you that you will lose weight if you eat intuitively. I know I'm not the only person who has seen this on a social media feed. It's like, I help people achieve food freedom by eating intuitively and losing weight, right? And that is simply warping the idea of intuitive eating into another diet that is promising weight loss. But again, flashback to what I just told you, intuitive eating is promising the freedom and the mental and the physical health side of things. It's not promising what every other diet is promising that you are going to change as a result of eating this way, or your physical body is going to change as a result of eating these things or eating this way. Something that I will always tell my clients or how I kind of describe the weight piece of the puzzle with intuitive eating is we practice from a weight neutral standpoint. 
Meaning that when some people relearn how to eat intuitively and tap into those cues that guide the physical, the mental, and the spiritual body, some people find that they will lose weight eating intuitively. Some people find that they will maintain weight eating intuitively. Some people find that they will gain weight eating intuitively, especially on the gain weight side of things. This especially is important, I'll even say, or happens for people who are coming from a very restrictive background with food, whether that's an eating disorder or just very disordered patterns around food that might have been very restrictive and cutting out a lot of energy or a lot of macronutrient groups. When these people start to overcome the fear of adding those foods back in, their body is going to weight regulate itself to get to a place where it can maintain weight and do all of its functions on a natural daily basis. So when we practice from a weight neutral standpoint, we're saying that the the question of weight isn't a guiding light in intuitive eating. We view it from a very non-emotional standpoint. It's not something that we track even. I encourage my clients, we do not track weight I don't ask them for their weight. That isn't really a guiding point in our discussion. It's not something that says, oh, you did a good job. You ate intuitively and this happened to your weight. Or, oh my gosh, you're not doing good enough because this happened to your weight. With intuitive eating and practicing in this weight neutral standpoint, we honor that the body has supreme wisdom. And if eating in a way that honors your hunger and fullness cues means that you lose weight, that's fine. If eating in a way that honors your hunger and fullness cues, and I should say it's more than hunger and fullness. If you're eating in a way that adds enjoyment to your life, where you can connect with others, where you're eating out of taste hunger and sometimes out of emotional hunger, because that's all a piece of normal eating, right? If eating in that way allows you to stay the same weight and maintain where you are, that's fine. And if eating in a way that allows all of these things to happen means that your body gains weight, then it's probably an indication that your body needs to function naturally at a little bit of a bigger size. The point here with intuitive eating is we don't use weight as the end-all be-all like a lot of other quote, health measures do, like a lot of other diets do, because we know that the body has supreme wisdom and the body will regulate to be where it needs to be. And also, we like to view that sometimes the weight cycling that happens on diets or what's called the yo-yo dieting, I'm sure if any of you listening who have been on a diet before might have experienced this as you start a certain type of diet, whatever that may be for you. And, you know, there's that kind of excitement where it's like, yay, I'm starting this diet. I have this accountability factor. You know, my body's going to change. And we have that really exciting moment. And it may change in the short period of time, but then you realize that whatever methodology you were using to get there wasn't really sustainable for the rest of your life. It didn't allow you to enjoy your food. It didn't allow you to connect with others over food. It left you feeling hungry all of the time, right? It wasn't sustainable because you were cutting out some of your favorite foods. Well, then you realize that that wasn't sustainable, and then you go back to the way that you were eating or what was, quote, your normal, and then, of course, your body is probably going to upregulate and you might regain that weight that you've lost. And we kind of refer to this as yo-yo dieting because like the string of a yo-yo, you're going up and down, up and down. And what research has shown about this is this constant up and down in weight has actually been shown to be more harmful and more stressful on the physical body than simply residing at a weight that is a little bit more natural for you, that allows you to honor those hunger and fullness cues and eat in a way that gives you that mental freedom and that holistic picture of mental health as well as physical health, that that can be the healthiest way to do things. So long story short, when we're talking about weight with eating intuitively, it's normal to have these questions about, you know, will I see weight loss when I'm eating intuitively? Will I see weight gain? Is that something I need to fear? It's normal to fear that because everything else that you have done up until this point, if you haven't been eating intuitively, has probably trained you to think that this is the end-all be-all with health. But I'm here to tell you that with intuitive eating, we look at it from a much bigger picture. We not only look at it from a weight neutral standpoint, but we also look at it from a place of if this fixation on weight or whatever you were doing in your past diets to get to that point of weight that you deemed, quote, healthy or good or satisfying for you, if that was coming at the expense of your mental health, if that was putting you into a place where you were hyper-focused on all things food and you couldn't focus on your work or your school and you couldn't focus on your family and you were entering depressive states, like if that quest for, quote, physical health was coming at the expense of your mental health, then it wasn't truly a good, or truly, there we go, a good picture of health. So with intuitive eating, 
we're not neglecting the physical body. That's also what I want to say. I think it's so common to hear someone talking and saying, oh, she's saying that it doesn't matter what I do to my physical body. And it doesn't matter if, you know, people quote, neglect what they're eating or their physical body. And that's not what we're saying at all. Of course, we know that our physical body is the vessel that's going to get us throughout life. But we're also knowing that health doesn't happen in a one month period. Health doesn't happen in a two month period. Health is a long term game. So I would much rather people enter into this phase of eating intuitively and eating those foods that they've been afraid of or eating those foods that they've been fearing is going to make them gain weight, right, that they've avoided for so long, I would much rather them enter through a micro phase, right, in the long term, it would be a micro phase where they're eating more of those foods and they're allowing their body and their mind to self-regulate than to spend the rest of their life eating in a way where they're yo-yo dieting, where they're cycling on their weight, where they're feeling controlled and fearing of food, I would much rather them pass through that initial phase of time, however long that may last for them. And even though that may feel, quote, unhealthy or like they're neglecting the physical body, I truly and honestly believe in the long term for health, that is what we need to get that true food freedom so we can kind of piece together how we align physical health with our mental health and how we sustain that for the rest of our life. So that is all I will say. I could go on for years and ages about the picture of or the question of weight loss and intuitive eating, but bottom line, run away from anyone who promises you will see weight loss from eating intuitively because that's simply a diet mindset and you won't be successful on the intuitive eating path of allowing all foods and giving yourself that permission if in the back of your mind you're still fearing the weight gain. And we practice from a weight neutral standpoint, so keep in mind that weight is not the only thing that matters in health, and it's usually not a true exact picture of health anyways. So the next question that I will kind of pivot into is a question that I received and one that I've also gotten fairly frequently of how can I eat intuitively without tracking macros first? So many of you who are listening to this podcast, many of my clients who I have worked with and who I currently work with one-on-one do come from a background of tracking macros. If you're not familiar with the term of tracking macros, I'm using air quotes here because it's something that gets thrown out all the time. This is simply a method of tracking your food intake based on the three different macronutrients that are found in food, carbohydrates, protein, and fat. And you also probably track water intake in this method too, because a lot of the foods that we eat do contain water. So when you're doing this, if you've ever heard of anyone talk of my fitness pal or calorie trackers, you log your food based on these different macronutrient categories, or I should say the calculator calculates how many macronutrients each food has. And then you have a daily target calorie goal that all of these macronutrient groups then add up to. So the main thing that I see, and again, this kind of circles back to what intuitive eating is not. I've seen so many posts on social media about you can't eat intuitively until you track your macros for a certain number of time to quote, learn what your body needs, air quote still, and learn portion sizes, et cetera, et cetera. If you're on social media, this is probably something that you have either read or been told before. So the thing that I will say, you guys know if you've been with me on this podcast before, my platform is never to bash anyone else's way of eating. If macros work for you and you love tracking macros, which I'm not totally sure why you're listening to this podcast, if that's you, unless you're trying to debate if you want to ditch macros. But if you're sitting in that boat where you're like, I enjoy macros, I like them, they're a helpful tool for me, then boothing, you do you. But I also know that what this can turn into is kind of a numbers game that messes with people's minds. That, you know, if I don't get X number of this, this, and this in a day, then I feel like I've done a bad job. Or even if I'm not hungry at night, I still have to crush this yogurt or this protein shake to meet my protein needs. And it kind of leads to a lot of obsessive behaviors. Again, not with all people, But with some people, it can lead to obsessive behaviors that I find are not helpful and are often harder to unlearn, aka what I help a lot of my clients do is unlearn what a lot of this macro tracking mentality has taught them than they are to learn in the first place. So if you're debating, should I start tracking macros? My advice to you would be obviously do what you want first, but you don't have to track macros in order to eat intuitively. 
To prove this point to you, I will let you know that MyFitnessPal was released, I believe, in 2005. I did this research a while ago, and this is just a number off the top of my head, so you might have to requote me on that. But MyFitnessPal was released in 2005. Do you think that people existed on this planet before the year 2005? I mean, history would say that people lived very good lives, and they survived, at least we can say, until the year of 2005 before they had this handy dandy tracking device in their back pocket to enter all of their food into. So you don't have to track macros first before you eat intuitively like a lot of these people say and our ancestors would be one to prove those. I think it's kind of so funny in this. I, paleo isn't as big as it used to be but in this day and age where we preach diets like you know eating like our ancestors eat and doing paleo because that's what the cavemen did it's like do you think the cavemen had my fitness pal to track their calories probably not so why are we telling ourselves this narrative of i have to track my food before i can eat intuitively let me frame it for you this way you were born as a human being, again, if there are any barn animals or other domesticated animals who have the ability to comprehend human words listening, then welcome to the podcast. I would love to have a conversation with you because I'm fascinated. But more often than not, people who listen to this podcast are human beings who were born with the ability to moderate their own intake from birth. Any moms out there will know this. Anyone who has ever fed a baby, watched a baby, been a baby will know that when you were born, you had the ability to let your feeder, your mom, your dad, your caregiver know when you were hungry by crying, by getting fussy, and you were able to turn away from the bottle, from the breast, from the spoon, however you were being fed when you were full. Kids are beautiful examples of how we don't need to track macros first because we know how to eat intuitively in our own body. So kind of get rid of this narrative of I have to track before I can eat intuitively because intuitive eating is the default way of eating. We were all born knowing how to eat and you haven't lost this ability. What I typically reassure people is that if you're feeling like you have lost the, the ability, it's probably because you've been told a lot of different things about what your food should or shouldn't be and you feel like you have to kind of live up to that standard and in efforts to do that, you've kind of gotten away from being able to listen to what your body is saying and being able to trust that you need to do what it is saying. So one tip that I have here on the macro side of the picture, of course, like I told you before, all foods are made up of a combination of those three different macronutrients. They're made up of carbohydrates, proteins, fats, and then the micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, water, you know, phytochemicals, all these chemical bonds that make the food. That's what food is made up of. Whether you eat intuitively or you track macros, food is food in that way and different foods impact the body in different ways. For example, carbohydrates are metabolized a lot more quickly and released into your bloodstream as glucose for your muscles and your cells and your brain to use, and they're metabolized more quickly than something like protein, which is digested a little bit more slowly, it's released a little bit more slowly, and instead of being used for quick energy, that's more used for maybe muscle and tissue repair. So that's just an example of how different foods impact different processes in your body and different things that your body will do. So one thing that I encourage is education on the gentle nutrition side of things. So I say gentle nutrition. This is one of the principles of intuitive eating. And the thing that's different from gentle nutrition based on the other types of nutrition that are taught or preached is instead of coming right out the gate in the intuitive eating path, talking about what I just talked about, you know, carbohydrates, what they do for us, what proteins do, what vitamins and minerals do, instead of coming right out the gate, talking about those things, this is a conversation that comes a little bit later in the intuitive eating path because sometimes when you're transitioning out of this diet mentality where you did function under a lot of rules, sometimes it can be really easy to take this normal or benign, I'll even say nutrition information or the science of nutrition and spin it in a way against yourself to make it a diet rule. So with intuitive eating, if you're interested in getting started, I would most definitely recommend starting either, you know, reading the intuitive eating book, reaching out to a practitioner like myself to get the help of overcoming the fear associated with a lot of food and relearning your hunger and fullness cues and kind of entering into that exploratory phase with food first, where you're not really fearing or worrying too much about the nutrients 
and the proteins or the, you know the carbohydrates things like that because that will come second and I just don't want you to use the gentle nutrition side of things against yourself to keep perpetuating intuitive eating as a diet and like I said the gentle nutrition piece of things typically comes at a point in the intuitive eating journey where people are feeling confident and I don't have to fear food and you know I know how hungry and full I am and I'm getting a better handle on how foods affect my body but now I'm at such a better place in my mindset with food I'm confident that I can learn about what different foods do for my body and figure out how to eat intuitively in a way that makes me feel really good using the science of gentle nutrition without using that nutrition knowledge to make a rule against why I can or can't eat something. So if you're thinking that you have to track macros first before you eat intuitively, you do not have to because intuitive eating is the default way of eating. So I would recommend getting involved with an intuitive eating practitioner or reading the book so you can start on those first steps of intuitive eating that focus on releasing control, giving permission, things like that. And then as you get more equipped and your intuitive eating roots strengthen or re-strengthen, I should say, you'll start to be educated on how nutrition impacts the physical body and how we can use intuitive eating to bridge the gap between what we want and what tastes good and also the science of nutrition and how that fuels our body best. So the next question I will address is something that I've kind of touched on here and there in this episode already, but it's something that I hear a lot in the intuitive eating path and it goes a little something like this. I feel out of control when I try to eat intuitively. Does this get better or even out eventually? So in order to answer this question, I hope you're like raising your hand saying, oh my God, I've had that fear too. It's like when I give myself unconditional permission to eat, one of those first steps in intuitive eating, when I do that, I feel out of control because of course in giving myself that permission, I'm probably eating a higher amount of the things that I have been restricting for years and years of whatever diet modality I have been on. And it's normal to be fearful of that because of course what everything else has been teaching is that when you feel out of control around food, or if you're eating, quote, too much of something, then the answer is to stop doing that thing and remove the trigger or keep it away from you, right? But in intuitive eating, we don't really see that as a viable option because we can't live in this white box around food. You can't put yourself in a little white box and expect all of your, quote, issues with food to go away simply by removing the trigger because guess what? If something like these carbohydrate-type foods, maybe sweet foods, salty foods, whatever it is for you, that you feel kind of out of control around, if you pretend like you don't live in a world with them, that may work for a month or two, but then you're going to venture out into the real world and you're going to realize that, hey, these things actually exist and I'm probably doing myself a bigger disservice in the long run by pretending like they don't. So I think with intuitive eating, the answer to this is yes, it will get better eventually, And it will even out, and it comes back to my analogy of kind of that 10,000-foot view of health. I think a lot of diets go wrong because they think, you know, only what you do today matters and then what you do tomorrow. And, you know, we get stuck in this very one-sided picture of if I eat anything, quote, bad, then I'm doing a bad job. But what we don't realize is, again, health is going to be something that follows us throughout the rest of our life. So I would much rather you, from this 10,000-foot view, enter this micro or tiny period in your life, however long that may be for you in the span of life, it's still going to be a small period of time, I can guarantee you, where you're eating more of these foods that may feel scary to you or you may feel like you need to restrict so that in the long run, you can realize that you can function in relation to these foods and at the end of the day, you're not just going to want to eat cake all the time or little snack foods all the time. Because I I have an analogy that I had in a podcast a long time ago that kind of reminds me of this, and it's just coming back to my brain now. If your best friend in the entire world moved across the country and she didn't have a phone, say maybe she was on like a mission trip and she was very in a secluded area of the nation with no phone and you had no contact with her or him for a year, for two years, right? Which is kind of what we do with diets. We say, okay, I'm going to put my favorite food over here and I'm going to have no contact with that food for however long it may take. But then eventually, lucky for you, say that friend moves back in across the country and she happens to start renting the apartment next door or the house next door. Of course, in that micro period of time, time, 
when he or she initially moves back, then you two are probably going to want to spend a lot of time together talking and catching up and getting to know each other because you've missed each other and you've been deprived of each other's presence, right? The same thing is going to happen with food or I guess with the friend analogy, but then eventually you realize that, you know, you have a job, he or she has a job, and you kind of have to normalize out how much time you're spending together so that you appreciate all of the other people and responsibilities in your life as well. I think the same thing can be said with food, that if you've been strictly avoiding a certain macronutrient category or a certain food that may have been seen as your, quote, trigger food, and then you allow yourself to give that self yourself the permission to bring that food back into your life, then of course it makes sense that you will probably want to eat more of this food in that period of time where you are reintroducing this food to your life. But then you're probably going to realize however long this may take, it may be a week, it may be two weeks, it may be a month, however long it may be for you, that there are other foods that exist in the world and you also enjoy eating a variety of other foods. And maybe when you just eat so much of one thing, you maybe don't feel like the best version of yourself. Maybe you realize that your sleep is affected negatively. Maybe you realize that you don't have as much energy for your move freely practice. Whatever it is for you, your body is going to start giving you signs if you are doing something that it doesn't enjoy for the long run. And that can be your intuitive signal of, hey, remember all of these other foods that I haven't eaten in a while, that I want to add color and variety back to my life. And I want to learn how to balance these things out through the science of gentle nutrition. But I think in order to get there, it really does take that period of time where you're allowing yourself to spend time with that friend who moved back in next door, but knowing that the way things are today or the way things are in your relationship with food right now in this micro period of time are not the way that they always have to be and are not the way that they're always going to be. You're going to enter different seasons in this intuitive eating journey. And I think holding on to that supreme level of trust that your body is going to self-regulate. This isn't the way it's going to be forever. And if you give yourself space to navigate this time in your life, then what you're going to come out with on the other end, 5, 10, 15 years later, is not feeling like you have to be under the umbrella of another diet or you have to do another 30-day challenge. But now you know how to integrate the science of nutrition and you know how to eat the foods that you enjoy in a way that doesn't involve guilt or second-guessing yourself. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Sometimes when I record these podcasts, I really don't enjoy the fact that I don't have a live audience to interact with me and say, yeah, makes sense, or no, I have a question about this. It kind of just turns into a yours truly monologue with me, myself, and I. But before I ramble on for too long with these questions, I wanted to just give you guys a sense with this episode of a lot of the questions that people have with intuitive eating and letting you know that if you have these questions too, you are not alone in having them. A lot of people have these questions and I'm going to try to use this platform moving forward because I have so many other questions that I typed out to go over in this episode, but for the sake of brevity and not talking your ear off, I am going to cut it off here, but I have tons of questions that I can circle back to in other episodes and other future episodes, but the purpose here was to let you know, one, you're not alone, and two, hopefully to fuel your fire a little bit that if these are a question or if you had one of these questions, hopefully now you can move forward with your intuitive eating journey in a way where you feel a little bit more empowered and you have answers to maybe some of the initial roadblocks that were getting in your way. So as you know, when we wrap up the episode, this is always the place where I tell you, if you are listening, if you are loving or getting any tidbit of value from this podcast and you have not left a rating or a review yet, and I say this, I bring this up because I know there are tons of you out there who are listening because podcast analytic tells me so but you're not leaving a rating or a review. So if you're listening and coming back to this podcast weekly, or even if this was the first time that you were here, but you gleaned any tidbit of value and you want to keep bringing these episodes not only to yourself, but also other people who need this message, please do not hesitate to tap that five-star rating. If you have a moment, please type in a brief review. I would be forever, forever grateful for you. That's hard to say. I think it's good we're wrapping up this episode because my words are getting twisted, but leave me that rating and review. Share this on social media. You can take a screenshot of whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. Share it. Tag me on social media at Claire Tuning so I know that you are listening. 
And don't hesitate if you are watching or listening rather on Apple Podcasts to tap those three dots in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen to get a shareable link that you can send out to your friends, your family, your cats, your dogs, your pet parrots, whoever it is (laughs) that you think would get value from this podcast, please share it out so this message can reach more people. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything that I talked about in this podcast or anything that I went over, you guys know I make my very available on social media. So please don't hesitate to reach out to me personally on Facebook or Instagram with any questions that you would have. And I would absolutely love to cover those with you. But until next time, we have another podcast spotlight next week on the pod. So I am our client spotlight, I should say on the podcast. I'm super excited to share that episode with you. But until then, yours truly, Claire.